This episode is brought to you by Fallen Rook Publishing. Whether you're new to HEMA or you've been around the block a few times, Fallen Rook Publishing is a fantastic place to get your fencing manuals, instructional works, and interpretations of the source material. I, for one, have a battered and dog-eared copy of the German Longsword Study Guide, which I return to as my first stop for when I start looking into a particular technique. Visit fallenrookpublishing.co.uk or keithfarrell.net. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Blades for Days, where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting, and probably a little bit more Star Wars than we should, but also sword manufacturers. I'm your host, Jordan, and joining me today is my good friend, Mike Thomas, from the Academy of Historical Fencing. How you doing, man? Not too bad. How are you doing as well? Yeah, all good. A uh, bit achy today. I went for about... I went for a... Uh, like 14, 15 mile hike yesterday. Um, I went to Castellkoch in Tom. Okay, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, lovely area. Because um, I was like, I was reading the um, the regulations, and it's like you can exercise in a place as long as you can walk to that place. And I'm like, yeah, I can walk there. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, my dog loves that place, but you can't you can't take a dog inside um, the actual structure, but you can go all around the site. Yeah, uh, but although not that that's much use to me. Because, <laughs> uh, if it's a if it's a, a meaty hike for you, it's a very long hike for me. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's kind of left me. I I was laughing. Um, I was laughing about it before we spoke because I thought you'd give me jip for it because my hip is hurting. Um, and uh, I give you for that because <laughs> you're always giving like you're always having a go at me about like being way older than I appear. So, well, that's not a bad that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you say that. <laughs> well, one one day you'll appreciate it. Right? What the the creaky hips and the and no the... no you'll never you'll never appreciate that. <laughs> I, I I saw your photos on Facebook and it's um. For a moment, it looked like you were taking like a reconnaissance photo prior to a raid. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> when I walked around the back of it, I was like, I, I could probably get in that. I could probably get in that, no problem. You know. I, I, I when I was a kid, we lived in Kafili for um, a couple of a couple of years. So the um, Kafili Castle was my local, uh, and I used to sneak into that all the time as a kid, because obviously you couldn't afford to go into pay to go into the castle every day. Yeah, um, but there are, way, there are there are ways to get into that castle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend them now, but there are ways. Yeah, all things you know. It's it's funny because like talking about age, whatever. There was a point where I wouldn't have even thought about it. Like as it, you know, ten years ago, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I would have been up the side of the wall and just kind of like in. Um, and now I'm like, ah, better not. You know, um, no, I'm kind no, of not like, now. More, yeah, more conscious of what happens if I slip and fall. Whereas before, it wasn't even a consideration, you know? Um, yeah, it's that, it's that sad story in the newspaper, isn't it? Where sort of man fans sort of stuck in tower that seems to have been there for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Died from exposure. To, yeah, had to eat his own fingernails for sustenance or whatever. And <laughs> it's just... No, um, yeah. There may be the occasional noise in the background, um, 
the, we've got work going on at the garage. We've got a guy that's just arrived. I think he's measuring something for blinds. And the army started about an hour ago. Right. So it will probably be okay. But if you do get the odd sound in the background, it's it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, it it's usually pretty good. There was um, I I don't know what kind of uh, helicopter it was, um, but there was a military helicopter flying over uh, Casa. Uh, Castle call yesterday, um, and that was pretty cool. The only irritating thing is because I recorded most, well, I say most of, I recorded a lot of my sort of walk there because I want to do a YouTube video about it. Um, mm. I, I stopped recording just as this thing flew over, and then I mm. hit record to try and get it just as it kind of like slipped behind some trees. Uh. So, yeah. Um, that's, 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 that's like the comment that came down while we were walking the dog and we got back in 20 minutes before it came out yeah yeah so we could have seen it but we weren't actually there we just missed it yeah and that that sucks because i had um i was where where were we we were um dinas Bran in uh north wales okay. and there was like some i don't know space trash garbage whatever and it burned up in the atmosphere but we were sat by the campfire because we i was there for like a reenactment thing so it burns up in the atmosphere and it just kind of like flies over and the thing is because i'm i'm known for telling fibs i was kind of like pointing at the sky going look behind you everybody and nobody would <laughs> and so like you know there's this like for me it was amazing i got to see this like uh you know this amazing thing happening and they're like, yeah, whatever, you know, nothing happened. No photographic evidence. <laughs> Did you go and find the nearest lake, jump in, swim down, grab some metal and make a sword? <laughs> I'd love to, but I actually watched them um, because like there's a part of me that, that watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm like, oh, I love the idea of having a meteorite sword. But then I watched um, a video of uh, Alex Steele. Um, forged in steel trying to make a sword from meteorite and it's just yeah. failing over and over again because it's just crap material and I was like, uh, it's a bit of a risk I think it's be best, best left to RPG swords Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean maybe have a pommel made of like, you know, a meteorite because it's that, that's fine you know, you could have It's that. the minute you can say it's sort of it's uh, my sword is made of meteoric steel or yeah. meteoric iron yeah. in it. so it's, it's, therefore it's suddenly better <laughs> like anybody yeah. would know, you, a swordsmith could just make your sword and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I put some, I put some in there for you." Yeah, definitely. That's that's yeah. one hundred. It's one hundred percent meteorite steel. Definitely. With the um, with the filming things, um, we had the reverse with the helicopter when we when uh, me and Nick um, and, and Nick, my brother, uh, when we were filming back in two thousand and five, and we were filming up at Hereford. Um, on a, um, uh, a site that was used for sort of um, private security training and we were using it as a filming site and it was a really low budget film, it's £10,000 film um, well it was all our own money so that was that's quite a that's quite a lot when it's your own money yeah. it's nothing when it's a film um, and have you, have you seen the J.J. Um, Abrams film um, Super 8? Uh, yes Okay, there's, there's the bits when they're at the train station with all the kids filming, and then they spot the trains actually coming, and the kid that's in charge is sort of production value. There, and he's really excited because there's something you haven't paid for that you can put in your film. 
which obviously adds immediate production value. That would cost you a fortune. Well, we were filming a combat scene. We were having like a, an urban firefight and right in the middle of it, um, an unmarked military helicopter came, basically buzzed in really low. And of course, filming at Hereford, it's, it's only going to be one group of people. Uh, and they were all hanging out the side of the helicopter watching us. Uh, with no markings on it. So of course, we just downed tools, grabbed all the, uh, all the filming equipment we had and just ran at them, um, filmed it and then put them in the film. So, uh, so we, we, we got a scene where they get sort of spotted by a helicopter, even though it's supposed to be a Serbian helicopter, but you can't, you know, 10,000 pounds, you don't buy a helicopter. <laughs> um, and it looked, it looked really good. They came in low because they were watching us. And I suppose a load of guys in, um, in an urban area with fake AK-47s setting off pyro, they, they were probably interested. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so we did get the helicopter that time. Excellent. That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, was that for um, was that like a promo thing for your writing or? No, no, no. We hadn't started that back then. That that was when um, Nick Nick did a film degree, um, so he just off the back of that, we decided we were going to try. We'd done a few short films for sort of fun, and we thought we'd go. We'd take a shot at making feature films. We thought we'd start small, you know, and sort of we'd just make a full length feature film as our first one. Yeah. Um, so we, we made a film set in Yugoslavia, or former Yugoslavia, and then shot it in the Bracken Beacons, which is, is a reasonable stand-in for parts of the Yugoslavia. Um, and yeah, we just made a low-budget film called War Crimes. It's it's really not very good, um, <laughs> although although it's still better than Ryan Johnson's um, Last Jedi. So it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not, not terrible. We, we, we should... that, is it? Do you know what's funny? So I came out of the Last Jedi. Uh, and I like so I'd come back from Italy to see it uh, not specifically to see that I, think, I also came to see family that. and stuff <laughs> but it was Christmas so I came back from Italy and um, and I went to you know we got on the plane and we went straight to the cinema we had our luggage from Italy and we went straight to the cinema so we just piled it up in the front of like you know just underneath the screen so I could keep an eye on it um, and I was just like, I was adamant that I was going to get no spoilers for this film. So I watched it and I did the same for uh, The Last Jedi as well. Mm. And I came out of it and I was just like, that felt a bit, mm, that mm. felt a bit prequely that, you know, that felt oh, man, really... The, pre the prequels are, have been elevated and since then. I know, uh, there are people... I, always... Yeah, I was so, so scornful of the prequels, and there's a lot to be scornful about. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah Force Awakens, you know, it was it was fun for what it was, um, but with the subsequent two films, it's kind of lessened. It's it's become a much worse film now. But Last Jedi, I think we, I took, I went and saw it with Nick, uh, and and with Pam. We came out at the end and thought we were kind of entertained, and then every passing minute, after basically as soon as the air hit us outside, up until today. Um, I think we've all just got more disappointed and we've got angrier uh, just just because it takes a flying dump um, on everything before it, which um, which is, you know, the the, the people, the, most of the people that have paid money in to watch those films are fans. So, you know, you've got fans that could be young, they could be kids or they could have been fans right from the start, like like me or people yeah. in the middle like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but those people have gone in and they've got all these heroic characters that do nothing. For the entire series and yeah. all the new characters they brought in are just so boring and they could have been cool yeah Finn they could have especially. been um they're, they're both really cool characters that nothing happens to them i mean the the thing for me that i 
I've found about the, the most recent three is that whereas the prequels, I didn't like the prequels at all. Um, there were, you know, one or two things about it. Great memes. You know, there are, like there are a lot of good memes that have come out of it. Oh, yeah. But as in, as in, as in, hello there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My Obi Wan. Yeah, um, which that's you know um, that's the main thing that I've taken from that. But at least with those three films, the every subsequent film furthered the plot of the last film. Whereas in this, in the most recent uh, trilogy, it seems that. Every film is trying to fix the problems of the last one, and and that's what it is. You know, like uh, every like you know, Ryan Johnson comes along and retcons a bunch of things from The Force Awakens, and then you know, in the lot in um, Rise of Skywalker, uh, like not even Ian McDermott could save that. Like he he's always having fun being the Emperor, but he just seemed like he was phoning that in. He just didn't seem to give a shit. And it was it was it was hard. It was hard to it was hard to watch it towards the end. It's the only only Star Wars film. Okay, I tell a lie. Actually, no, I, I didn't see um, Star Wars <laughs> um, at the cinema because I was only two. But um, it's the it's the only um, film in the sequence of the nine, uh, other than the first one. That I, as I said, I was too young for, and um, that I didn't see at the cinema uh, just because. <laughs> Just because the, the second one was so truly dreadful that it put me off. And then when I saw the trailer for the third one, it was, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, and so I waited until I could watch it at home. And oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's, it has to rank as one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's, it's, no, Ryan Johnson's film is terrible. Although at least it's well made, it's, it's, it's nicely constructed, but it's got terrible characters, a terrible story, um, and it destroys a whole franchise in one film which is quite, a, quite an achievement. And then the third film is, you can see it's um, a load of people have gone into a room and said, how can we try and fix everything? Um, and every single decision they make is terrible. Like the whole, the whole one-eyed willy thing from the Goonies, um, where, where, you know, where, where sort of, Ray, I think it's Ray, is on, um, she's looking at the wreckage of the Death Star that somehow survived. And she's holding up a dagger I know. Um, to, to, to find one-eyed willy's treasure. <laughs> is Josh Brolin going to be in this? Because you know, I don't think he even he could say that. And so, oh yeah, this dagger shows us where there's this completely undamaged room full of you know IKEA cabinets and artifacts, and, so, sort of, and that that's one of the, that's one of the least bad parts of the film. Yeah, I I I thought it was quite funny because I saw um, again a meme that came out of that, and uh, she's holding that dagger. And she's like, oh, this dagger has done some terrible things. And then there's like a force ghost of Anakin in the background going, oh, I don't know how you feel about your lightsaber then. <laughs> this is a bit where he's killing the younglings. Nah, that's fine. Um, wow. Love the Mandalorian though. Absolutely adore that. Yeah, um, that's, but that, but that's, that's because it's, it's made by a group of people. And it's, made, it's made by a team or specifically two people, but there's a whole team. But made by people that are really they're big on the franchise and 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 they and they know their fans the, the, the fans are not the people that maybe watch it the fans are the people that are that are going to watch it and then buy a buy a mando figure yeah um, they're, they're going to buy the, yeah they're going to buy the blu-rays they're going to buy the four uh the star wars i've had it in every format i've I have, well i've not on betamax but i've had it on vhs laser disc dvd um uh, Blu-ray now 4K, yeah, um, and and the, the, those people still spend a lot of money on this. 
um, and and I think Favreau especially, well, not actually Favreau and Filoni, mm. they I think they, I think because they're basically they're nerds and fans themselves. Um, yeah. So they make the stuff they want to see, which happens to be the stuff we want to see. Yeah. And 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 not everything in Mando is great, but it doesn't matter. The worst part of Mando is better than ninety nine percent of the other stuff that's out there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I really like about it is uh, it's about the, the basically the small fries of the galaxy. Mm. It's not about the great heroes. And I was uh, talking to someone about this. I can't remember who it was, but we were basically talking about the scene with um, Bill Burr in one of my favorite episodes. And it's the one where he has to take his armor off um, yeah. and, you know, he's dressed like a stormtrooper. Um, Bill Burr's character, Mayfeld, I think it's Mayfeld, turns to him and he's like, everybody's got that line they won't cross until they're desperate. Uh, yeah. And it's just this like really, yeah, great scene because you see, you know, the soldiers and just the people and how they're affected. Um, you know, they're affected by the struggle mm -hmm. between the Empire and the Rebellion and the, you know, the New Republic Order and all that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's an awesome series because it tries to, well, it does touch on those, um, on those deep notes that the new Star Wars film tried to kind of uh, touch upon because it, they do kind of um, address the fact that, you know, you know, the Empire, the Rebellion, it's all the same thing kind of thing. But they don't do it in quite yeah. the same way because it is with the, the heroes, not with the, the people, if you know what I mean. Well, well that, that, that's the thing. You, you think living in, um, and even where we are, when we're both quite close to the border, um, and, and the border has been quite, well, quite, it's been very fluid for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, but the people are still here. Um, and, you know, you, you, you get sort of, um, uh, sort of regional rulers, um, you get some um, kingdoms, states, empires, um, and you get the same people in the same places. You get a family living on Tatooine, living, you know, the Republic, the Empire, living in the post-Empire where it's lawless, uh, like after um, the American Civil War. You've got their equivalent of, well, we've basically got the Reconstruction era in Star Wars now. So it's like watching Outlaw Josie Wales with, and it's all a mess and it's still the same people. It's, it's a much, it's a more adult story that I would think, and I'm not a child, but I would think if I was a kid, there's, there's dudes in armor, um, there's there's women beating everybody up left, right and center, sort of kicking their asses, there's, there's spaceship battles, there's all the stuff for kids in there anyway, um, and a really good adult story. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of, series. Cara Dune, um, I was going to say, yeah, I know you've got a figure, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen your action figure. It's worth right? a lot of money now. <laughs> yeah. um, Over 150 quid now. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going up. I've got like I've got I don't know I've got some action figures in my office here. They're they're not in um, they're not in the packaging or anything because they're from when I was a kid. I've got. I nearly Fett took her out of the packaging, and then Pamela said, uh, "Pamela's my partner." She said, yeah. "Keep her mint in box." Yeah. <laughs> and I clicked on eBay, and they they were they're, they're they're just going up every week at the moment. So yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say because there are some similarities between um, uh, Cara. Ah, oh, you've got Baby Yoda as well. Grogu. Grogu, yeah. Well, I call him Baby Yoda just because I keep forgetting <laughs> the name Grogu. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, with Cara Dune, um, there are some similarities there between her and uh, Valentine, who's the um, protagonist. Oh, nice, for... nice segue. <laughs> did yeah, I, I did slipped, that. I slipped a fiver under the under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I enjoy um, 
uh, I enjoy your books. I've got them on Audible. The guy who reads your books, his voice is so deep. Have you listened to the audiobooks? I have. I have. The strange thing is, the um, there's 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 a difference in the kind of um, narrators people want, um, and it and it's it's regional and it's national. Um, so the, the a lot of the Americans that buy my books, they they, they like to listen to somebody with a particular intonation. Um, but I've had some people that have sent in auditions that sound great, and they they're rated really highly in the U.S. But they sound so nasally, um, or they've got like it's almost like a buzzing in their throat when they speak, which to to my ear is quite painful. Um, and I, I think you know, obviously you you find this guy that's doing these books is quite a sort of a kind of a throat, well, quite a meaty voice. Yeah. I've got a bassy voice and it's really hard to find a balance between um you know the, this kind of the timber the um and, and also the, the the speed they speak um the very first person i had who had i struggled to get rid of him because i just couldn't use him in the end he spoke so quickly punctuation meant nothing so he'd, he'd read through a paragraph and there will be no commas no full stops uh, obviously there were but he wouldn't actually pay any attention to them and he sped through so quickly. And when I sort of said, I just can't use this, his solution was to slow the audio down 20%. Oh, no. Which, which is, oh, good grief. Yeah. It was really bad. And, of course, he's done all the work. And contractually, I couldn't get rid of him. So it took a lot of negotiation to get around that. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. There's, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite a... Quite, quite a, quite a bassy voice. Yeah, no, it's. Great. It also depends how you, it depends how you listen as well, because some people they have really, if you've got a really terrible sound system, quite a bassy voice is is actually quite light, uh, but then you, if you've got some decent headphones or a good sound system, and then all of that comes out, it's sort of whoa, what's yeah. going on there? And yeah, it's it's an easy balance to strike. And then um, like Nick's new books, I, I kind of shoehorn those in. But it's, <laughs> it's Craven books because because I, I do all the management. Um, Kind of back end of all the books, so um, I do. I sort out the ebooks, paperbacks, audiobooks. That's all me doing that, um, and sorting out the chap to do Nick's books. Um, you know that's difficult because because there's obviously Nick wants the perfect narrator, as do we all, um, but it needs to appeal to Americans and Brits primarily, but mm. also um, people that don't speak English as a first language. You want somebody that they can understand as well, um, and that wasn't easy getting somebody. And I really wanted a Brit to do Nick's books. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. There, there, there are words and terms, you know, we, we both write in British English, but yeah. um, say with science fiction, you can get away with either. Um, but if it's going to be British historical fiction, you really want a Brit. If nothing else, there's the intonation on some words and, and even just the pronunciation of certain things. Now, we, we can't have lieutenants everywhere. Aluminum. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they do spell it completely differently. It's, it's yeah. not a pronunciation issue. But uh, but yeah, you, it's it's one of those things. If you're if you're not a native um, sort of speaker, you're not going to get. And people they buy the British historical fiction. They want it to sound like British historical fiction. Yeah. So that if they can hear somebody that sounds you know that's British, um, describing British technical terms and history, I think that works really well. And I don't know how we've managed to slip onto next book. <laughs> you had a chance. You had your chance to promote your work, and now you're just promoting Nick. That's fine. Yeah. That as far, yeah, as far as the Valentine character goes, I should probably say that I write science fiction books, uh, in case anybody doesn't know. Um, as does Nick, my brother, Nick Thomas. He also writes science fiction, although he's just shifted to historical fiction. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, about the Valentine character. And to, to be fair, I have a lot of um, really strong female characters in my books. Um, and I, the very first book I wrote, the first science fiction book, um, which is called Siege of Titan, sort of wink, wink. Um, that's, um, you know, they're, they're the two main characters. They're, 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 there's a man and a woman, they're, they're the two main characters in the book. Um, and they're both kick-ass Marines. You know, there's, there's nothing one can do that the other can't. Yeah. Um, and having, having done a lot of sparring with all kinds of people, I know that somebody that's competent, um, it doesn't matter, make any difference if it's a man or a woman. Yeah. Um, and if you've got, if you've got a really, uh, if you've got a woman that really knows what she's doing with swords, um, then that will work perfectly fine in the story. Um, just, and you get some terrible women with swords and some terrible men with swords. Yeah. That's the wrong way around. They're not terrible men or women. They're terrible <laughs> women are no, they are. With... They're terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> they're not good with swords. They have to be terrible. But you yeah. know, if, they, if they're good or at the very least competent, they can do it. Yeah. Um, and Valentine is ramped up a bit <clears throat> because she's a half, she's basically half dead. You know, yeah. she, when she kind of dies at the start of her first book and then is kind of rebuilt. Um, yeah, say, she, you're, she, you're sort of spoiling your own work there, but then I realise no, it does, it does happen well, she, like in the first couple of. She chapters. is a spin-off character. She's a spin-off from a spin-off. Oh, that's. I, I did my. I, I've got my main series, my uh, my Star Crusade series, which is about 40, 50 books long. Yeah, it's a, a really big series. And then I did a young adult spin-off series called Star Crusader, um, which is has proven to be really popular. Um, with everybody anyway, so it was a bit pointless doing young adults because they're all the same people read it. Yeah, uh, and that, that was just about a kid that's he's basically he's a video gamer who becomes a, a fighter pilot, um, and that's um, so a bit like um, uh, the Last Starfighter. Just just yeah. nods in the sort of yeah. No, 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 I know the Last Starfighter <laughs> actually. Okay, okay, okay. so um, um, so yeah, so I, guess... I had it on VHS. Now well, there we go then. There yeah. We go. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I did that as a spin-off. And then I introduced this kind of kick-ass Marine, who is quite a young Marine, then he meets early on. Um, and she, she's a, sec a really minor secondary character, but she does pop up every now and then. Mm. Um, kind of like a Captain Phasma character that actually does something. Yeah. Um, so she so basically earns the armor rather than just wearing fancy armor. Yeah. Um, and, and I had loads of people kept saying, we want to see more Valentine. So I, I, I thought I'd do a, a series of short stories about her. I started writing the first one. Nick did the artwork, which I was really pleased with. It was a really nice bit of art he did for it. Yeah. Because uh, Nick does the 2D artwork. I do the 3D, basically the 3D modeling artwork. So I do the ships, he does the people. Um, and it looks so good. And I told him it's, it's too good to waste on a short story. Um, but he didn't, he didn't care. <laughs> He's done the artwork. <laughs> um, he, he prefers to do artwork for a novel because you need less of them. Yeah. Um, and I just stretched that out into a full length and, um, and it's gone on from there. And I'm, I'm writing that right now. That's cool. Actually, yeah. just before you called, I yeah, was, you, you know, said about she that. Was, she was ripping somebody's head off. Actually, just before you um called. Okay, well that's better um, than the description that you you sent me because the description you sent me was just pew pew take that. So well, yeah, that's, that's the paragraph before that one. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I've moved um, on. Because yeah, you mentioned something about a uh, a Hema horror story idea that you had. I've only I only thought of that about half an hour to forty minutes before you called, so it, it's 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 a glimmer of of a story. But I was I was thinking because I've been to a lot of HEMA events, or, or like yourself, I've been travelled around, gone to a lot of HEMA events, seen all kinds of things, uh, and I've been trying to shoehorn in not shoehorn that sounds well I suppose it is shoehorn in try try to shoehorn in the kind of things I've seen and the people I've met with an interesting story, and, and they always come off as cheesy. Because it's sort of how can you get some HEMA people into a story 
that isn't another underground Mortal Kombat type story, which yeah. is the way they always go. It's sort of, oh, they all have to, you know, they all have to meet up and fight something. And it's like, yeah, steel. yeah, 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 it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's been done loads and loads of times. But I thought the one, the, one, the one thing is what gets all HEMA people together, and that's one of the things where they can go and fight, so big events, like Swordfish, so, yeah. uh, something really big and meaty. Um, and then one of the films I really like from the 90s, the um, Rodriguez film, The Faculty. Oh, I love that, yeah. So I thought if I got if I basically combine the faculty, um, so this um, which is the um, kind of oh, I've forgotten the original story now the Pod People one, um, no, the, the, the sci-fi story where they all get taken over. I've yeah. completely forgotten the name of it now. Um, so a puppet masters type story. Um, I thought if I take that and then maybe fit it at a big sort of HEMA event, and I, I can make the HEMA event a little more general, so it'll appeal to people who are into HEMA. But the emphasis is going to be maybe on this big sword event where they're sort of you know, they're running classes and doing cutting competitions and stuff. And then something really bad happens. And uh, if it's out in the middle of nowhere, which a lot of these events, um, like we've gone to parts of Scandinavia and you've got these kind of big events in quite small places. Even like Gothenburg is, you know, we, we didn't see much of it because the actual hall is a fair distance from the, the main place. Yeah. Well, that could easily be cut off if there's suddenly no people around it and then there's something attacking the place and it's full of HEMA people. Um, and my idea was, I was thinking, I know all these people, I know you, uh, and I know the kind of the way you like to fight. So there's a character straight away there. And I could talk to you and say, do you want to be in it? Or I could just base it on you and it can be a completely fictional name. And then I know people that are really into their kind of their Mesa, um, sort of the, 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 uh, their Mesa and their 133 stuff. Um, people that are sort of running classes on sort of melee. Uh, sort of Nick turning up doing his British military swordsmanship. Uh, there's all these people that I can kind of nick ideas from, or I can use them if they don't, if they don't, if they don't mind or don't care. Yeah. Um, and so, so you've got all these personalities that could end up, you no, know, most of them are going to die because, you know. Yeah, yeah, as long as, you know, as, as, long as it's be. not like doing something dumb, um, you know. Somebody, or... somebody has to do something dumb. Yeah, no, that's fine, <laughs> but like, don't make it me. I don't want to be the undignified <laughs> one. <laughs> like... I'll, I'll, I'll eviscerate somebody else. Yes. But, uh, but, it, it, but it is literally just an idea. Um, although thinking about it, I, I do like it. Um, and it, and it, it gives you an opportunity. The character's kind of preformed, which makes life a lot easier. Mm. Um, and these events, you know, you, you get people joking all the time at events, sort of, oh, this is, this is the last place somebody would want to come in and cause trouble at. And you think, well, actually, you know, oh, pretty much everybody here has got a blunt weapon and they're, and they're actually restrained and trained. It's, you're probably quite safe coming in there. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think something like that could be could be kind of cool, and it and it's not the usual, you know, the the, the usual, you know, taking the best fighters. And I'm saying that I've done that myself. I've already done that book, um, which it did, but it was a long time ago, and it wasn't particularly popular. I think it's called Champions of the po of the Apocalypse. I, I kind of took that idea and then moved it into a kind of a, a futuristic wasteland. Yeah. And then you had these kind of um, my my original idea because we were going to make it into a feature film, but we stopped making films at that point. And we were going to have in this kind of um, Mad Max salute of the jugger type um, scenario, and then have the so there's very few people about, and then these kind of encampments with these old kind of wizened sort of grizzled fencing masters, and their students all kind of practice and train in a particular style. So you might have like the, the kind of the disciples of Fiore, sort of you know, cent you know centuries or a millennia later. Uh, of all practicing in this particular way, and then you've got you know the, the katana, the, the legendary katana wielders, <laughs> you know, cut everybody in half. 
Um, and I thought that, could, and then they could all meet up and fight, and it and it kind of it didn't quite go that way. But that was the original plan. Um, yeah. I might go back to that one at some point because there's there's lots of mileage in a kind of a Mad Max with swords. Yeah, the, there's a series that uh, Nick pointed. Yeah, I watched it as well. Was it? Uh, yeah, Badlands, something, something wasteland. Bad Badlands, Enter Badlands. the Badlands. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, <clears throat> it was fine. It's just that. They turned around and they went, you know, guns were banned. And I'm like, by who? Like, I know. No, by uh, the law. Yeah, in, exactly. in, in, in the lawless wasteland. Yeah, the lawless way. Yeah, somebody just came around and went, nope, and took them off. Them. And yeah, so it was fine. It like, you know, as, as far as prem, uh, premises go, I quite like, um, like one of my favorite films is Escape from New York. Uh, oh, what's not to like about it? I know, right? Uh, well, <laughs> me, me and Nick used to, to watch that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's that um but uh, well, that's, that's yeah. a classic like like most carpenter's films he he he, he creates an enemy with almost no um he, he puts almost no effort into his enemies because as far as he's concerned the bad guys are just um a faceless sort of horde yeah. uh, almost all of his films apart from like when he's doing some some sort of horror film but you know look like assault on precinct 13 you know there's there's almost no story there um but uh, it's it's just that they're the bad guys and they're coming for you um, yeah. and it's and his his stories are always about the the, the really cool characters trying to survive which yeah. is like um you know so you, you look at um escape from new york and it's just you know you've got you've got the cool dude with an eye patch and he's and a ridiculous gun and his glider and that, and that's cool and the fact that the bad guys could easily be zombies it doesn't doesn't really matter yeah that's that's true enough um well, i was thinking about that scene where he's fighting like that big dude in the ring Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I always thought, like as a kid, I always thought that was actually. I was like, "Is that Emperor Ming from Flash Gordon?" <laughs> I was just like, "Ming the Merciless." I like, you know, uh, looks like him. But um, yeah, I, my my only like Hema horror thing because when when you uh, said about Hema horror thing is I occasionally have uh, nightmares or like bad dreams where I go to a Hema event. And we get there, and I've forgotten my swords and all my kit. Um, and I have those dreams alarmingly frequently, where I'm like, "No, I don't have any swords. I've got to, like, you know, they're calling my name. I've got to go on for, uh, you know, for this tournament." That's, that's because you you know you're a Hema person. Because other people, kind of normals, they'd be worried about maybe they forgot their trousers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten those as well. I'm like, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my swords and trousers at this uh, at this hero event. So yeah, the thing you need to the thing you need to always remember with those kinds of things is um, he Hema people will lend you gear. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're good. They, as, as a whole, they're good people. And if you turned up and it's sort of oh crap, my swords aren't here. And I know I've been to a few. I think for a couple of fight camps, there were some of the um, uh, instructors from the from the continent to come over. Um, and their luggage, you know, had ended up doing the usual thing at Amsterdam and just going around in circles. Yeah. So they had they had no gear, and so you got no gear. You're teaching a longsword class. You just say anybody can lend me a sword. Well, you know, it just so happens we've got 100 to 200 people with all with swords. Yeah. Somebody will lend you the sword. It's uh, and they're they're they're, you know, you, you know almost all of them, and they'll you'll soon know the person that lent you the sword. So yeah, yeah. You should not worry about that now. No, no, no. Okay. I know that. It, it, I think it's like. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just one of those things because I've been to plenty of events where I didn't know anybody, um, mm. and 
I, uh, I mean, I, I, I had it in uh, fight camp. Um, they turned around and they said, you can't use your long sword because it's got side rings. Um, hmm. So you're going to have to use one without side rings. And I'm like, well, I don't actually have one with me without side rings. Um, so my friend Andre from the Cork Blade Masters just kind of turned around and he had like this roll of swords and he's just like take your pick he's like do you prefer the heavier do you prefer the lighter do you prefer the shorter the longer like you know so that was pretty cool speaking of um you've got uh nine swords on order yeah it's, it's the that's the problem of well not the problem of lockdown there's a lot of problems of lockdown or with yeah. lockdown <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's kind of lockdown and also the the problems inherent with ordering swords um as, as you'll know because none of things many things don't change and buying swords they're, they're kind of the, the, the kind of the new wave of sword makers that are reasonably quick and then there's the old school sword makers um that maybe not so much um and uh, yeah it just trouble somebody releases a new sword or they announce a new sword and unless it's something really awful i usually have to say oh can you put me on the top of the list <laughs> um and siggy uh, one of the companies that keep doing that i actually had to ask them to, to remove one of my sword orders just because i saw well i've got well it was nine plus that one so i was on 10 at that point and i thought it's a feather why am i ordering a, a feather i don't even like feathers and i've already got a feather it's just a feather with a night with a fancy shield on it and why am i buying that just because it's... do you know what i saw you order that i actually <laughs> saw i'll have that and i'm like jesus mike like what's going on like i know i know I'm i was talking to nick about it sword. like because we've sparred with longsword a couple of times but you hmm. generally use the um black fence a longsword because i yeah. don't quite like that because it's probably the closest thing to being a longsword hmm. um and, and that's quite cool. And I saw you do that. And I'm like, you know, if you have, if you don't have a feather or if you've got like a Regenier feather with, you know, no frills or whatever, and you're like, actually, I'd like to get something, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit fancy, but it's literally just those, the, the fluting on the I shirt. know, I, I, to be honest, I, th I think what it was is I think for a start off, it's, it's something new and shiny. It kind of draws me in. So, which is a problem. But, no. but the other thing is the the, po the photos they used, I think they tricked me because they got the woman in armor. Um, and it's so the photo, I thought, well, that looks cool. Um, and then of course the woman, you don't know, I know I, some people have posted and said, is that a really big sword or a really small woman? And it didn't even occur to me that, and of course, there'd be, there'd be a different height, heights to me and maybe the same height, I don't know. Yeah. And then I looked back at it afterwards and I thought, mm, actually thinking about it, it is just a feather. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got no idea why I ordered that. So, um, so I, I, but I do have, I have the another sword ordered with them, which is the one they call the king, mm. which I thought suits me quite well. Um, uh, but, but it, it, it's basically it's it's their version of the of the old um, Albion Lechtenauer that you and I both have. Yeah. Um, and I think it will be, and as with most of the kind of more modern blades, it'll be a, a slightly safer, more sort of <clears throat> more more feather like version. Of, a, of an actual sword. So uh, so I had that one, but then I've, I've got a load of other stuff. I've got a katana ordered with black fencer, steel katana, because um, just because Nick, Nick and I like fighting, well, same, same as you, we just, we don't have a favorite. We just like fighting with swords, uh, yeah. fighting using swords. We don't fight the swords. Uh, <laughs> only, 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 only during this lockdown. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so I've got that ordered. I've got, um, <laughs> A side sword and a dagger ordered with Bloss. Um, 
which has it's been quite difficult to get it here because he's got he's having a lot of shipping problems and he's sending me um a dusak as well i've ordered a dusak that's also true with um who i ordered that with i can't even remember who them who makes it now the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 Dor the dorothea um dusak i've completely forgot oh i'm um, Necht emporium yeah I, I've, so I've got the dusak order with them they're also custom making me a dusak because i need if i'm gonna have one i need two um, which is going to be a aspiring version of my original. So I've, I've got a sort of a late 1500s original Dussac. Uh, and it's, re it's really cool. I mean, when you hold it, you feel like a pirate. <laughs> it's, it's just you, you want to go and capture ships and take cities and take all their stuff. And you've got it. With just this um, Dussac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what else? It's, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I did a list because I thought I better get a list because I do have to have pay Not all of them are paid for. Um, I've got the Swiss Sabre from Caviton, mm. which um, kind of bankrupt me for a month because it's yeah, kind of expensive. I mean that you, you've sent uh, you've sent us pictures of that. Um, so for anybody listening, there's um, uh, Mike, Nick, myself, Alex Timmerman, who's been on the podcast, and uh, Rui from uh, Espada Negra. We all sort of chat about things. And um, you were kind of taunting us with this sword that you've got on order. The, the, and uh, it's glorious. It's, it's a beautiful looking sword. Um, any notion as to when that's turning up? Um, it's, it's being shipped quite soon because they're sending me um, a side sword with it. Right. Um, just, uh, like a, an extra a freebie. Um, oh, cool. Mainly because my, my Maya side sword keeps rattling loose. I, I hate... Um, swords that can be disassembled uh, i want them all peened i don't want any sword other than um small swords i'd rather have everything peened because uh, my swords generally don't break so i don't need replacement parts that might take ages so i just want a solid sword um and they they gave me various fixes which i have done all the usuals you know the leather washers and all that kind of stuff and the, and the final fix was just basically to fill the entire thing with epoxy yeah oh, i don't want to do that so they're just sending me a free sword that's going to be peened but the, um, yeah, the, but the actual Swiss Sabre should be shipping soon. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a beautiful piece. I told them when they were going to make it because um, they weren't making me anything. I, as With Kavitan, they should always be making something for me. So, <laughs> uh, so there was nothing I actually ordered. So I thought I'll give them, I, I want to commission something. And they said they were about to start making some big swords. So why didn't you make this? Because this is, you know, the legendary big sword because it's, you know, it's, it's a two-handed sword. Um, so it's effectively it's like a long sword, but with a blade that it comes close to a katana. Um, and, but then with some quite fancy, or not quite, very fancy hand protection. Yeah. Um, and they said they could do it, and it wouldn't be cheap. And I said, sort of, well, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> uh, and I wanted it for sparring as well, which a lot of people don't get. They said, why? Why would you get that? You know, it's it's you know, thirteen hundred euros before it even comes into the UK, and they'll be shipped. Um, they'll be duty on that and that, which. Ugh. So that's another 20% at least on top. Yeah. So why would you spend all of that on a sword for sparring? Um, you know, when you can get 250 euro feather. Um, I'm not a big fan of feathers anyway. Um, and I don't see the point of buying a 1300 euro Swiss saber to just hang on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, if it was an original, great. Um, or if it was a shark for doing some cutting, which I don't do much of. Hmm. Um, I want to spar with it. You know, when, when we finally meet up again, um, you know, I'll have a go with it. You'll have a go with it. See what we think. And um, we'll combine yeah. it with other weapons and we'll see what it's like. Do some reviews of it. Find out what a Swiss Sabre is actually like. Destroy the world with what's best. A European 
katana versus a Japanese <laughs> katana. You know, he can set the world on fire. Um, yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be cool. It's fun. Yeah, it's not cheap, but, you know. I, um, I actually had, it was a really interesting kind of out of the blue phone call, I guess, because um, around Christmas time, I posted a picture of, uh, it was me with my side sword just trying to get back mainly back into shape after Christmas, you know? <laughs> and um, so I was doing some sort of like cutting drills with the side sword and I, I posted it on Instagram and um, somebody got in touch with me and was like, do you want any swords, right? And I was just kind <laughs> <a question. laughs> like, well, usually, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, it, it, it was this sort of thing where I get emails through Instagram all the time going, yeah, we'll give you discount on this, we'll give you discount mm. on this. And I'll, like, I'll have a look at the website because, you know, it might be decent. But I'll have a look at the website and it's usually this kind of like, uh, we, we, we bought this in bulk from China and we're trying to offload it on, um, you know, some poor sucker. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good, thank you. Um, mm. But this this person's, uh, they've, they've started, um, they've started smithing and they were they were basically looking for somebody to kind of absolutely batter the crap out of one of their weapons and and give it a fair review so i said yeah okay well, you know i'd be up for that uh and so we had a chat through instagram which i didn't know you could do like a, as in like a video chat mm. through instagram okay for like a few hours so um she said, uh, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of making really nice pieces, which I think are really nice pieces, only for people to stick them on the wall. I know mm. if I make you something, you'll you'll use it because, you know, she follows us on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll use the hell out of it. So um, initially, I was talking to her about uh, a cat's balga. I was like, <laughs> you think you could make a cat's balga? Um, and, uh, and then Melissa sort of like talked me out of that because she's like... <laughs> Get a messer because you've studied a little bit of messer. And I'm like, it's the same. It's the, you know, it's practically the same thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, I've I've kind of ordered a messer just to um almost do like a destruction test. Uh it's I don't like a proof of concept, isn't it? For yeah, the yeah, exactly. quality in the blade. Yeah, but it's that thing where I agree with you 100%. Other than antiques, like I'll pop mm. antiques on the wall because they're, they've, you know, they've earned their place up there. You know what I mean? But um, everything else, it's either, yeah, it's for sparring or for seeing if it's, you know, um, for seeing if it's any good. And uh, my friend Emmett, he's Ravenheart Forge. Like that's, that's okay. the yeah. Um, He's made me a couple of bucklers, which I've done some reviews of. And mm. I turned up, uh, the last time I was in Ireland, I turned up and he looked at my buckler and he's like, what the hell? He's like, what did you do to that? Did you get a dragon to chew it? <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, no, I've just used the hell out of it, you know? So Buckler, that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. If it's yeah. not taking any damage and they probably over-engineered it and you can make it lighter. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what they're, that's what that's what they're there for. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 I don't have. I only have actually two antique swords. And I've said, Nick's gone really into. He's basically he's focused his collection down on British military swords, which is sensible. We talked about it, and it's and it's the right way to go. Have a focus, otherwise it goes all over the place. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted earlier blades, which unfortunately makes them a lot more expensive. So I've only got two. So I've just got my original Dussac and an original Scavona, uh, both on the wall in the kitchen. 
Um, and yeah, they're, they're the only antiques I have. All, all, all the money I've spent on swords then has been on ones I can use, mm. which to be honest, I've sold 80% of my souls um, you know, uh, that I don't use. Um, if I don't like them, I don't keep them, yeah. which is why a lot of them are gone. <laughs> You can yeah. only have so many. So I think um, in my garage conversion I'm sorting out at the moment, there's going to be about 25 swords on there that are my steel training swords. And that's sort of, and I've got obviously a nine more coming. So, <laughs> um, so I don't, you know, and those are the ones that are left. But we, we yeah. do buy, I think you, you probably do the same as well. You, especially when you run a club, people, the, the only way people are going to know what stuff is like is either if they've seen it somewhere else or you can vouch for it, talk to them about it. Yeah. So me and Nick tends to buy, and it's another reason why we have lots of things on order, is all the gloves, other than the Pro Gauntlets, all, all the other gloves that sort of um, have been released or coming soon, we've got orders with them. Because we'll buy them, we'll try them. If we like them, we'll keep them. If we don't, we'll sell them, and then we'll review them. Because um, there's no other way of knowing. Um, and we've gone through, that's long swords. We've gone through scores of long swords. Yeah. Uh, and it's the only way of knowing. You can look at the spec, and it can sound great. And then you get your hands on it and sort of, no, 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 my students just can't, it's too expensive or it builds quality shoddy or more often than not, it's just not safe and balanced properly. Yeah. So you, so you just go through loads. And I, I, I used to keep everything and it's, it's got to the stage where, well, well, unless it was a present, like um, I've got a, a Viking sword that um, Heron made um, that actually Pam, Pam got me um, years ago. And I don't use it because it's a reenactment Viking sword. Hmm. Um, so it's going to be of no use to me. Great for you. <laughs> uh, but you're not having it <laughs> um, just in case you want. I've got the um, I've got the Heron um, Rondel that um, that was Pam's and I use that and I've, I've mentioned that because when Nick was on we were talking about it and the fact that I started wearing this Rondel all the time whenever I'm training and in fact talking about gloves I had a pair of the um the the spes heavy hmm. uh like gloves that superior fencing did uh they made them hmm. and um i was using them recently with uh kian because recently they've said okay you can meet up with one other person for exercise so we were doing some sparring and what i decided for some dumb reason because i came away with a lot of bruises was uh we would we would do it almost like a self-defense thing i'd be unarmed except for this dagger on my belt he'd have a long sword so that we could try some of the plays but i would want to almost get like the quick draw thing uh, okay yeah um anyway so i trying to get a hold of this rondel with these massive spes uh, gloves I, I know that's why when you try to grab it i usually punch you in the face instead yeah. <laughs> um yeah, which is, you know, which is fair. Melissa does the same thing, and she's wearing the spevies, right? But she's wearing... You're looking down and you're going... I w in your head, it's the glory dagger kill. Yeah. You, you're, you, you can hear everybody shouting, finish him! And you're yeah. reaching for your dagger and you think, I'm going to get this legendary kill. And while you're doing that, there's this opening where your face is there, and yeah. my hand is here. So I'm just yeah. going to keep punching him. I'm not going to mess around with the dagger. I won't find it. I'll just end up grabbing my trousers or something. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to get like faster with it because yeah, there's there's there have been a couple of occasions. There was once at um, there was once at uh, AHF, and I mentioned this when I was chatting with Nick, but it was so funny. This guy was 
he was really annoyed. We were, I can't remember who it was. I was fighting him and we were doing longsword. Anyway, we got to grappling and I wrapped up his sword and I put my point, the point of my sword on him. And he did that thing that a lot of people do. And in fairness, it's normally a reaction of there's a point in my face. Uh, my opponent's probably not being polite and, hmm. you know, or whatever. Um, and they just sort of grab it. All right. Hmm. So it's gotten to the point where if they grab the point of my sword, when yeah. I'm trying to sort of like show them mercy, um, yeah. they grab hold of the point of my sword. I just let it go and grab the dagger, right? <laughs> I let go of the sword and he's just there kind of like looking from my sword in his hand to his sword in his hand, to my sword in his hand. And then when he looks up, I just like knifed him in the face with the um. dagger. And, uh, <laughs> I went, are you all right with that? And he went, well, I guess I'll have to be, won't I? <laughs> so, oh, that's, 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 a, that's a bad loser, that is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, uh, that was fun. But um, yeah, it was just one of those things. But anyway, with this glove, hmm. I realized after we'd finished uh, sparring, um, I, packed, I packed my gloves away. It had cracked in half like the whole Ouch. thing cracked in half okay. yeah i didn't notice because you know it's it's quite a big glove um but it was one of those things where i'm like as much as i like superior fencing's kit these you know these are not gloves that i'd recommend i'd go okay go spare or, or you know go home kind of thing um <laughs> normally the things that they put out are uh are pretty good sort of copies um, yeah not they're they're not imitations they're the original thing just without... copies copies that's a <laughs> slightly inflammatory statement <laughs> inspired well, by inspired yeah. by yeah <laughs> inspired by fine but um yeah so i i know exactly what you mean uh, mm. about trying stuff out in terms of if you had somebody who came to um who came to the academy of historical fencing and mm. said to you, right, I want to get one of everything, you know, so the main weapons that people use um, in tournaments, I want to get one of those, you know, so a saber, I want to get a, a long sword, I want to get, um, uh, you know, a side sword, arming sword, where would you direct them? those oh man i i can i can almost imagine all the companies saying mention us mention us mention us <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good companies out there and, and and the first thing is is pretty much what you've said there is that any any student in a club should always talk to their instructors if yeah. they want advice on weapons because it, it's it's not that um that necessarily they've got the best ideas out of everybody they're running a club so they're managing kind of the safety of the club the kind of the standard of the equipment that's expected so, you know, in, in our particular club, we would expect certain types of weapons. Um, and in yours, there might be a slight shift um, and elsewhere, and it changes all over the place. So always go and talk to your instructor first. Um, otherwise you might go and buy a load of stuff that they won't let you use. So to definitely go there first. And, and as if somebody came to me and said, I want one of everything, well, hopefully they, they'd actually started training with us and they weren't just sort of first day, I want to buy everything, which I can understand, you know, you join a club, you want to buy a sword. Yeah. Let's be honest. You don't join a club to buy gloves or a helmet. <laughs> helmet. You go you go to a club because you wanna you want to own buy a sword and, and you probably want to hit people in training with it. Um, but it, if you did that and and they were and they were looking to buy steel and they, they were at the level where we thought they were, you know, they could could or should be buying steel. Um, the kind of the, the two places I go to first are basically the the kind of production line of swords, and they're really good swords as well. I go Black Fencer or Cavedon. Um, for your for your 
you kind of your rank and file swords. Not that they can't do the fancy swords, they both do really nice swords, but for kind of the, I want to buy a saber, I want to buy a long sword, I want to buy a mezza, you don't even have to think about it. You can just go to them and look at their Hema line. Um, they're not called Hema line, but you know, look, look at the line of swords they sell for Hema. Um, and, and, and they're all really good. Um, they're all really solid. The Black Fencer, to be honest, they, you know, they, they kind of started with those um, synthetics some time ago. And, and we've been talking and working, not working, that's, that, that kind of exaggerates our involvement, but we've, we, we, but we've been, you know, feeding them information, loads of feedback, suggestions, um, and we bought a lot from them. You know, the, the amount of souls we bought is insane from them. Um, but they think they started with those synthetics and they've moved to steel now, and their steel is really nice. Um, and, you know, if you have a problem with them, and I, I post, no, I won't, I won't show it. No, I will. Why not? No, I, I posted a photo of a black fencer sword that had broken while we were sparring. Um, and I sent the message to one of the chaps at Black Fence who were actually at fencing. I can't remember if you were there or not. You might have been there. I don't yeah. know. I honestly can't remember. At Pontier. Yeah. And I sent them a message, um, just, just a photo. I didn't even say hi, which is a bit harsh. And this was half 10 or so at night. Just sent a message. And it was, and his, all I got back was an expletive. And then, and then the next message was, "Don't worry about it. We'll replace it, obviously." And they did, you know. And and, and I've got no problem with that at all because even the best swords, um, sometimes they have a flaw. Sometimes you do something a little weird with them. Who knows? Uh, but black fence are the Ankafitan as well. Um, any issues with the swords? Anything strange that you don't like, or if they just if something broke, and you know, under stress, everything will break at some point. They'll just replace it. Um, which is there's a lot to be said for that yeah um, we've ordered from companies that make legendary swords and you can't talk to them you can't get parts for them they won't replace them they just vanish after you've bought them it's a waste of time we don't need a sword you can buy one off we need to know you can buy 20 long swords um, and they will come and if it's a problem they'll replace it with another 20 if you had to mm. um, black fencer and competing are great for that um, there's a little, a little bit of um it's not really a big problem in the short term there's a bit of problem bit of a bit of trouble getting some some of the sword companies shipping to the uk at the moment um it's it's not going to be a problem I, I would i would think two three months and it will be sorted out but there's just sort of the change in regulation the way that works um and it, it happened before anyway it was just it was done in a way that we didn't notice mm. but uh, i know some companies like black fencer have got resellers in the uk now so you can buy directly from them rather than from black fencer yeah, um, but that, that'll be sorted out. But I'd say Kaviton, Black Fencer, Black Fencer more if you're looking for a wider range. Kaviton have got a smaller range, um, but they but they, their stuff is great, and I got a load of their stuff. I got a load of both of theirs, um, and Nick's always onto them about you know doing the next tiny variant of an, of another saber, um, and they make really good. I've I've got their sabers, and they're they're really good fun. Well, you know, you I'm sure you've used them. Yeah, they're yeah. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're they're a lot of fun. But those those are the two I would recommend first. Yeah. Um, and there's loads of others like Regeni, we, we always recommended for their feathers. I would think if you wanted a strong, reliable feather as opposed to a, a, a longsword, sort of big arguments, <laughs> better than not a longsword. But if you wanted an actual just a feather, definitely not the longsword. Um, the Regeni swords, I, I haven't ordered any for a while, so I don't know what they're like in terms of shipping, mm. but they're really solid, reliable. They used to be quite cheap, although there's a lot of other cheap alternatives. And there's that um, Arius, uh, Arius that you've, you've been using, and, um, and Siggy. Oh, not since I've met Melissa have I been this in love. <laughs> it's, Naughty. Yeah. 
but they but, but think they, they they've come on and they're making um they're making some really nice gear as well yeah um, but but i would i wouldn't recommend necessarily going to those kind of places as your first port of call mm. um and a black fencer and, and um Kavitan are in the scheme of things quite cheap so yeah. you, you can say i've got 300 pounds okay i know that's not cheap but in in the past when we started 300 pounds didn't buy you anything um, yeah. 300 pounds now can buy you you can buy your side sword it can buy you a rapier long sword any sword you can think of you can pretty much get for 300 or a good chunk less yeah so yeah definitely go there first um but then siggy um you know they're, they're making a, a bit like your new favorites but they, they they make they make swords that are finished really nicely and they handle well uh, and they and they look you know, they, they they really do look the part mm. so um yeah, but again, they would talk to you about that. You know, if, if they wanted to know about that particular sword or in your club, you could tell them. So, well, I, this brand is great. I've used it. I've trained with it. Check it out. And I can say the same about the swords that I've got. Yeah. Um. So definitely talk to your instructor and see what they use and listen to what they have to say. And, and then there's also the the other the one that extra thing I can see. You're desperate to talk about your new love. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, but um, I'm but the, the other. New, I think. But yeah, go on. The, the only proviso I put on that is if you're buying a sword for a particular reason that isn't just training at the club. So if somebody came to me and they said, I want to buy a long sword because I want to enter competition, that's a completely different question to I want, uh, what would you recommend as a long sword? Um, and that very much will come down to where you're going to be competing and what their requirement, requirements are. So as you found when you went to, um, was it Fight Camp? Yeah. And you can use your um, uh, feather with D-rings. Uh, and they and they also probably wouldn't accept some of the older. I don't know whether the lector now will be allowed or not. No, it wasn't quite... because I did have my Albion, and I'm like, can I use this? Right. And they said yeah. no. Um, and that and that, yeah, that, that's that's the thing. So I, I would recommend, unless you're a club that does that's really into the you know the tournament fencing, which isn't isn't a big part of what we do, um, then I would check the requirements that they have, and then see are they compatible with the recommendations with your instructor. You obviously you can still buy it. But, um, but it might not be ideally suited for the way you train in the, in, 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 in the class. Yeah. I think um, I was just going to say, because like I, if I had a student who came up to me and said, uh, and I, I actually have had students who joined up before, uh, just before lockdown, went into mm. lockdown, and they've obviously spent their time doing the online classes with me when they can, but also kind of going on YouTube and looking at HEMA videos and some of the stuff that comes up are HEMA tournaments. So they're kind of like, oh, I want to do, I want to take part in tournaments. I want to do tournaments. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's great. That's fine. Um, as you know, it's not my priority. I've never like, it, it's not something that I'm kind of like, you know, desperately want to kind of get on top of. So if somebody came up to me and said, what's the best sword to get for a HEMA tournament? I wouldn't know what to tell them because I actually, when I do take part in tournaments, I don't read the rules, which maybe I should. I'll read like the equipment rules, what I'm supposed to be wearing, which I have, you know, most of anyway. If they, if they turned around and said, oh, you have to have those protectors for the tops of your feet, I'd be like, well, I don't, I don't even know what those are or where to get them. So, um, but most of the time I turn up and I fight the way I would normally fight when I'm sparring. And that either does really well for me or I keep getting, not disqualified, but I keep getting warnings because they're like, oh, no grappling, no, no pommel strikes. Don't do that. That's not allowed. Um, so, yeah. So I wouldn't be the best person to ask. And as you say, it would probably be good to look at the, the, kind of um 
expectations they have of the long sword or the saber or um, whatever whatever weapon you're competing with. I love failing Nagashka, the the competition in Ireland, because you can rock up with just about anything, and they're like, well, you know, <laughs> um, in the in the best way. They're not like. Yeah. I've had somebody come up to me, I can't remember where it was at a tournament, and they were, they were like, oh, there's a bit of a dent in your mask. And I'm like, yeah, because I use it. You know, um, and it was nothing. It was like, like you know, it was a it was a tiny, mm. tiny dent. Um, and they're like, well, we're mm, oh, mm, an R-ring. And I'm like, oh, come on, can we just get on with the fight, please? That's why I'm here. That's why we're all here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. Um, I think my, my gear, certainly now, um, my gear will be be classed as too light um, for almost every tournament, um, but it's not a problem because whenever we go to events, we always get roped into. Um, uh, I've, forgotten, I've forgotten the word. <laughs> uh, judging, um, judging. We're, we're always like corner judges or managing something because they always say, "Oh, it's, it's it's you guys. Can you can you do this?" Um, so it's but it's really rare that we get the opportunity anymore to actually go into a tournament or. Mm something like swordfish where you go there because the tournaments are so big they take up so much time you've got all like the heats and the pools and it, it goes throughout the whole weekend so we're there to see all the other people to not necessarily to participate in classes but to see what people are doing in their classes to run our classes um to go and spar with as many people as we can and the and the tournaments tend to unless you were there you know like your student and you're there for the tournament it's just it's too much of an investment so we 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 either get we don't have the opportunity because of that, or they see who we are and they know who we are and they try and rope us into, you know, not swordfish, but you know, other events. They'll try and you know get us to assist in some way, which means we yeah. can't compete them. Um, yeah. Not that it matters anyway. As I say, my kit, I think now, you know, I use uh, an AP light jacket, which I'm I don't think would be um, accepted. And we basically, me and Nick go ultra light. You know, you know the way we fight. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we go for the, the 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 lowest level of protection we can get away with, which is not what I'd recommend for everybody. Um, but um, but for us, because we've reached a standard that um, we prefer to rely on our technique and skill to keep us out of danger more than we would expect somebody that's been doing it for four or five years. Mm. In which case, they definitely need to be tanked up. <clears throat> I mean, I I tend to go more tanked up myself. Which is strange because the way that I uh, fight when I used to do reenactment stuff is that I used to try and get as light as possible because mm -hmm. I like to move around and I still like to move around. The reason I get tanked up is is mainly because I just like it. I just like the feeling of <laughs> where, like, you know, I've uh, like just just. Um, Melissa got me this, not got me, she made me this jacket from scratch. And a lot of people have commented on it because at the front of it, the material has, uh, has got a few tears, but underneath it, there's um, uh, like basically um, foam inserts. And then underneath that, I've been looking to try and get like Kevlar sheeting, um, just because I like the idea of being armored up. Um, it's because you know, Lockdown's coming, gonna, gonna end soon, and I'm waiting. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need, I need to get Kevlar up. 
Yeah. Um, was, uh, right. Okay. So I don't know if I should talk about this. Ah, I will. Screw it. Um, there's, there's this you can talk about it and then you can beep it out. If you yeah, I, can't, yeah, I, can, I, I can edit it out. Uh, but okay. So basically there was a guy hanging around in my street uh, and there's nothing in my street. There are no shops or anything. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want, I told you about this. I lived on city road. It was a mm. nightmare. So I'm like, I, I don't want like, you know, why is he hanging around here? He's not talking to anybody. He's just sort of like listening to music. And uh, so anyway, I went over, I went over to him and I was like, what are you doing here? Right. And he's like, I'm waiting for my friend. And I went, okay, then. Right. And he went, is there a problem? And I went, uh, no, but if your friend doesn't arrive in 10 minutes, you better be gone. Right. I just went back and I, I walked away and I, I kind of did a loop. And when I came back, he was he was gone. And um, I, I said to Melissa, because uh, she was inside and she was watching the whole thing. And she said, I said, what happened? And she went, oh, his mate came along and like and they, and they left. And I went, Ooh, I feel a bit bad now. But there's that, there's that weird guy. I keep away from him. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, no, I'm the bad guy. But I was like, oh, you know, he's been here for a long time. And every time, because when we pulled up in the car and I looked over, he just kind of like, Try, it looked like he was trying to hide himself away. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, nah, something about this is a bit dodgy. So anyway, when I went over, like when I was thinking about going over there and uh, asking him, I was like, should I put my jacket on? Should I put my fencing jacket on underneath my coat? Um, just in case, because it's like 800 Newton. Uh, I've got an 800 Newton jacket. I thought, nah, don't be an idiot. Just go over and like, you know, sort things out. Uh, There's also illegally there, you know, putting putting protection on although it's not a weapon in itself it's um it's an escalation and it's an intent um so if you're going out with a protection it's sort of i'm going out am i going out there looking for trouble yeah and is that how it would be interpreted um looking at it from another perspective of an innocent person so yeah. i just i just going out to meet my friend and it was a bit windy i thought i go into the lane this guy comes out and he's all armored up to protect himself is he is he trying to get me to hit him so i can't hurt him yeah, but like I wouldn't have, I would, you know, I wear my plaster on about the place just for fun. So it's I fun. know I've I've seen the photos. You just you just just the plaster on, nothing else. Yeah, that's it. I, <laughs> what I need to do is I need to I need to build up an alibi on Instagram, right? So the next time I go to the beach, I'm just going to wear my plaster on, right? And just go chilling with my plaster on, right? <laughs> nothing to see here, so that when it comes down to it. <laughs> so you'd be okay with that you know as long as it's pop it behind a paywall um uh, we don't, we don't <laughs> all want to see that <laughs> i wasn't so, talking yeah. just wearing only a plaster on <laughs> get your mind out of it so yeah um so speaking of events yeah. We were talking about uh, potentially doing an event, uh, Nick and I, when he was on. Um, and you and I, well, uh, you and I and Nick um, and a couple of others, we've been chatting about it a little bit as well. Obviously, things are still kind of up in the air with COVID mm. still being very much a thing. And, you know, hopefully we'll get the, the vaccines um sort of all sorted sooner rather than later. And it seems that uh, Fight Camp, Matt Easton, has announced a tentative date for Fight Camp. Mm. Um, so it'd be great because this year is the 15th anniversary of the AHF. 
Yeah, fifteenth when when we started in Wales, um, September um, two thousand six when we started. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it'll be the, so September this year will be the fifteenth year, um, and the thirteenth year for the Bristol uh, Bristol School. In fact, the thirteenth for the Bristol School will be next month, because that was in March. Uh, but yeah, for fifteenth, no, we we'd like to, and it's difficult because we, we we don't have kind of arrange, you know, come up with some really cool ideas, and then we can't do it again, yeah. as everybody's finding as they'll have the fan for the last year, or more than a year. Yeah, I don't know. It's who knows anymore. Yeah, but um, yeah, we, we definitely um, we definitely want to do something cool. Mm. Um, uh, we we, we want to invite all your people. Well, all your people will be invited anyway. It's not we would want to. They'll be invited anyway. Yeah, um, yeah we we want to do something cool, but the, the actual details are just you know the places aren't open. They're they're not prepared to talk about bookings, um, halls. Even normal training, nobody's talking about anything. So, well, yeah, we will definitely do something, um, and we want to see all your people because we haven't seen them for so long. No, right? Um, it's yeah. No, but and we've got uh, just like you. We had we had that bit where we all sort of came back for a little while last year, and and I think same with your group. We had people that were desperate to join that kind of were there for a matter of weeks or a couple of months. They just got started, got their new gear, and then it all shut down again. And I know they're all itching. Um, to, to come out and do stuff and mm. when it finally does happen it's, it's going to be crazy because there's going to be all this energy um, and everybody's just desperate to get out and do something so yeah we will ho hopefully around you know end of September when, when our 15th would be yeah we'll do an event and a party um, and we'll have some cool things organized but detail wise um, I've got absolutely no idea at the moment yeah, um, you know, we, we've got a list of things we want to do. Uh, so, well, some of the things is we'd we'd like to do maybe at the very least an entire day, or maybe we could do both days, the Saturday and the Sunday, do a whole weekend event. Um, do do we want to stretch it out to have sort of classes, you know, embedded in there? Um, do we want to like mini tournaments? We we got some fun ideas, some um, unusual ideas, but um, with COVID, the last thing people want is carrots waved in front of them and then have them whisk away at the last minute. Yeah. So. So we, we, we've not said anything about it to anybody. <laughs> Look, you <laughs> but now it's out secrets. There. <laughs> I can't do it. If you don't want people knowing, don't tell me about it. Right? There's, um, uh, I did, or just you got to let me know it's a secret because otherwise, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll blab. I, it's, it's not a problem anyway. So no. I, uh, my uh, most recent YouTube video, uh, it was... It, like a snippet from the, the podcast that I did with Matt Easton. So a couple of episodes ago, I was chatting with Matt and there was a bit that he was talking about. And in, in the podcast, he says, ah, oh, this is a video I'm not quite ready to put out. <laughs> anyway, the YouTube video I put out was this section. It was this section. Um, and he was a good sport about it because like he said, oh yeah, well, you know, that's a video that I've not really got. I'm, I have, I'm not ready to put that out yet. And I was like, oh yeah, shit, you did say that. <laughs> Maybe I should have chosen a different section to put up on YouTube. Uh, uh, you know, at least this way I light a fire underneath him and he's got to get it done. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm it's true. It's true. People are waiting for it now. So you, <laughs> you, you gave the hint. Now we want to see the product. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for everybody's benefit. We've got to have this event now, Mike. We've got to do it. We've said it. Oh, it'll, it'll, you know, I, I um. 
Um, no, the fifteenth is a big one. Um, it was a shame we did our tenth anniversary. I, I wasn't actually there for our tenth because there was a screw up with our holiday booking, and it actually ended up happening during our tenth anniversary. So I couldn't go. It's the one event that I didn't actually go to our own event, and it was the tenth anniversary on my birthday, um, and I couldn't go to it because the anniversary is on my birthday. Yeah. Uh, but no, we we will we will do a biggie. You know, the tenth would have been the tenth year in our original location. So it's um, when we were at Killian, we had the sports hall at the old the old university um, complex, and and it closed down a couple of months before we reached our tenth, which was a shame because it was yeah. a really good site. But this this will be you know the fifteenth, um, you know it's, it's 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 a long time actually. It's yeah, it's one of those things that you know I talk to people about HEMA, and we there are a few people who say I was started HEMA and such and such. And then you have other people who say I started HEMA before it was HEMA. And one of the things... That sounds like millennials, that does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like hipsters. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, I was thinking more that, you know, because there obviously was a, a, a date before HEMA became sort of more formalized. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people that sort of converged on this now more um, solidified idea. Uh, one of the questions that I asked, um, I didn't actually, I didn't get around to asking Matt um, because we ran out of time, but I was going to ask him like, when, when did HEMA start? Is there like an official, is there an official, an official sort of like BC, AD, kind of date that would uh stand out for people no there will no there will never be a date like that yeah you, you, you may as well ask um the difference go, go and talk to matt or nick and say what's the difference between a small sword and a spadroon and, <laughs> and and 10 years later they'll still be arguing about it because yeah. because that's the gray area so there can never be a date um and with hema it's all about definitions and definitions are always flawed yeah. um and i look at i look at how when we got started with hema uh, or I'm not. I don't even particularly like the term HEMA, to be honest. I prefer, I prefer um, historical fencing. Um, I, I think it's a more it's, it's a more general concept, mm. and it encompasses. You know, we, it allows us to play with other things as well. And we started off as a historical fencing school, not a HEMA school or a WMA school. We were historical fencing, but um, but I, I think back to when we were really into swords back in the um, mid to late nineties. And, and there they were groups then that they wouldn't have been practicing what you call HEMA and they weren't reenactors. They were like the Dawn Duelists in the, um, in the late 90s. We, we knew of them, but, you know, we, we weren't communicating with them. They were just, we, we, we were aware of them because we did 17th century reenactment and they, they occasionally kind of filtered into kind of our world and then moved back out again. And, and, and they were sort of like an informal group of people that were, were sparring um, amongst themselves rather than events. And I, I would assume, based on what I know, I've known after the fact, that they've been doing a little bit of reading here and there. I don't know how far back they started, and they were just like a little, like a little, almost like a rumor in the background of what we were doing. Uh, and some reenactors had, you know, there's the old classic joke of you know reenactors picking up copies of Tauhofer uh, in the early in the early years, and why they used to kind of class that as the origins of HEMA. And, and I don't think there's no dates. There's this kind of this kind of, it's almost like a migratory, it's like the dark ages becoming the migration era. It's, it's like the migration era for fencing. You know, we, we kind of started that last part of our sort of fencing world in the nineties. We, we played around with um, 
competitive fencing, but in a kind of a reenactment style. So basically without fencing masks. But, but, I mean, you, you've done the same kind of thing. You kind of it's it's semi-competitive, but but controlled because obviously you can hurt each other without without masks or decent gloves. Uh, but we did that, and then you know you're doing a little bit of looking around, and you're trying to find more historical sources for stuff, and then you find out other people are doing the same kind of thing, um, and then there are groups that are dedicated to it, groups that aren't dedicated to it, and and it's a really you know in those in the early two thousands it was a really wishy washy phase. Mm. Um, and we didn't even really start as, um, no, not really didn't start, we didn't even start as a historical fencing school. Um, you know, we started as a group of six fighting um, and, and, and all of that just came from, it was actually, um, when I, I'd only just met Pam, uh, it was the year, it was the, uh, the year I met Pam um, and, um, and we were talking about sort of stuff we liked um, and Lord of the Rings had, had, had gone a few years before um, and I, I explained how me, me and Nick were really into swords. Uh, and we'd, we'd done this kind of sword school thing around 2099, done the reenactment. And she really dug the idea. So the sword sounds cool. Me and Nick have been talking for a while about just getting some kit and just fighting for a laugh, you know, just for a bit of fun. Uh, and it kind of all coalesced into why don't we just go and book a hall, get some gear and do some fence, uh, do some sparring. Um, and, and eventually we did, you know, just six of us. You know, we could be booked a hall in uh, March 2006. 2006? Yeah, which we don't class at the start. Um, but we started so March two thousand six. We had booked the hall in Chepstow, got the um, basically six friends, um, pretty much with all reenactment. Oh, it was all reenactment gear, no no masks, uh, and turned up and we just used to meet every week two hours and we just fight for two hours, um, and there, there was no talking about him or anything else. But we but we looked out. Um, we we talked to Matt quite early on because um, um, uh, with Matt's forum because obviously it was before social media was a really big thing so uh, forums were the big place where everybody was hanging out and we chatted to people talked about kit you know um, materials that we'd all found because materials were all popping up all over the place at that point um, and then we decided in September I don't know how we got to an origins of the HF but I'll, <laughs> I may as well just tell you anyway but we we, um, we, we got to the summer um, and we thought well we needed to rebook to start again at the because we um, uh, we're going to move to the college for a, a, a bigger training space. Um, and we thought, well, we're starting around Freshers Week. We could really, if we got a few extra people in, it would help make sure the bills are always paid. Because mm -hmm. with six people, a couple of people can't make it. It's not that many. And we also had other people desperate to join us. Um, you know, people that were doing reenactment that wanted to come and spar. Why don't we just kind of formalize it? And if we're going to formalize it, we really need to actually teach something. We can't just have people turn up and start fighting. Um, so we, you know, we just decided on that day, September, that's when we'll start. Um, bought a load of wooden swords so that they'd have something to use. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, September 22nd, 2006, um, we, we, you know, we started that, that group. But, but there was no, um, you know, looking back for an origin, it, it's really, really hard to, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all down to perspective as well. You know, the, the way I would see our, sort of the starting point for HEMA would be completely different to Matt's because Matt, Matt sort of started his um, scholar sort of school uh, a few years before us and he had a completely different journey coming to it. Yeah. Um, lot, lots of fencing schools have come, and even, even yourself, have come through a reenactment uh, background because, you know, you meet up with people that have got, you know, swords, armour, like fighting. Um, it's kind of a natural way to go from that to... Well, actually, the camping's cool, and you know, I call hanging out. But I'd like to do a bit more fighting. And maybe yeah. I don't have to go and set up the tent, go and get all the food and all the, all the fuss to go to an event. What if I could do that every week? So I just cut everything else out, and we just do the fighting bit. 
Yeah. I think lots of schools have started that way. Not not so much now because we're kind of onto a generation on. And I think you'll get a lot of people. We've we've had people have come to our school that have have moved on and started their own schools or um, other things. Mm. Um, so they've they haven't kind of moved on from something earlier. They just they've already started with um, what you'd call HEMA now. Yeah. And then they just yes. make that and they've created their own you know their own school straight from that. So they're already familiar with sources. They've got easy access to them. Loads of interpretation and analysis and arguments already been done. You know the decades of fighting over silly little points. Yeah. They're they're all sort of part of HEMA history now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and that's kind of good. It will continue probably um, because there are people. Uh, I I still get things where I post something on you know on Instagram on YouTube or whatever. And I'll get somebody who comments on it going, oh, that's not quite how Fiore would have done that or whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. But it gets the job done, doesn't it? So um, the, 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 getting it getting it perfect is the, the idea that anybody's going to get it perfect is hilarious anyway. Yeah. Um, the, the, the assumption that the text is, um, is, is the reality and the proof. It's just the text. You, you have no person, you have no context. No, you can, you can assume certain context, but you don't, you don't have it all there um so so it's all going to be slightly flawed and interpretations change over time and, oh, yeah. so and, in, and in the and in the greater scheme of things isn't that important yeah and it's important as far as we're concerned but it's not life-changing yes yeah. you know we, we we can move with it there's no living tradition uh with the kind of stuff that we're doing uh, unless it's say something like um, with uh, angelo or roeth where you've got fixed military and it's much more straightforward to get something from that but you go to maya Oh man, you know it's it's memes and arguments every yeah. day. Um, that's the thing I was going to say because, like, I've I've read some early translations of you know Fure of, of uh, Meyer, Lichten, you know anything from the Lichtenauer tradition, and it reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons. The early translation of um, these uh, these texts is like the episode of The Simpsons where they've got the Mister Sparkles um, advert. It's basically this thing that's been tra like translated from Japanese and it's that sort of like Japanese anime when they couldn't quite get the translation right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very much that. So when people turn around and say, oh, that's not like the picture or oh, that's not quite what he says. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's one sentence that's been translated and translated and translated again. Um, and like what are we talking about here the sword has ended up in the guy's bonds that's that's the important bit right um and as long as i'm not breaking myself getting there then i think i did it right you know well, um, imagine you go back to <clears throat> excuse me the late 1500s and for some reason you're one of, you're one of the lucky people that have managed to train at a fighting you know, a fencing school fighting school uh, and maybe it's in something like the let's say you're following Maya perfectly. Let's say Maya's even there and he's showing you how to do stuff and you train with a Dursak um, um, and you're you know you're you're a legendary player beating everybody. It's going really well. You go off to war, you fight and you kill somebody with your Dursak that looks quite a bit different to the one you trained with. Is are the rest of the people around you going to complain that well that's not exactly the way it was in that really nice illustration or the way Maya taught you what's that cut that you did and when you kicked him in the balls and then cut him in the head which part of the text was that from and yeah. it's a, well you, you used it to train um, but then you kind of played the game the way you play it 
And um, I know with me and Nick, you know, the, the, the systems that we focused on are the ones not, we didn't choose them because they were ones that we thought were the best or the coolest or the ones that people, not many people were practicing or anything else or had the prettiest pictures. We chose the ones that most closely matched the way we already fought. So um, with Maya, with, so with his Dussac, you know, basically Maya's Dussac is more of the style of saber I like as opposed to the style that Nick likes. Um, so we practice them, but we fight each other and it, there's not a vast difference when we actually fight. Um, but we chose, we, we chose those particular, you know, had a particular focus because it's, when we, when we went through the text, we thought, actually, yeah, I, I kind of sometimes do that thing anyway. And then I go through the text, now I can do it better. Um, or I can try something I hadn't thought of. Um, but it, it, it's not like I went to Maya and thought, oh yeah, you know, this guy, the picture looks, looks great. I, got to get some of those baggy trousers that's the one for me um and it's no no no. it's just and i say i look at the dusak section and it's 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 a little different to the approach to a fight now you're not standing in in a particular position where you've got a repertoire of technique to use which is excellent for teaching a later military system uh but but my is a little more fluid than that i, I don't really like standing in a particular guard i just like to kind of kind of free form it get get close and start doing stuff um, and with Meyer, he has those particular postures as, as things to move from and through. So, you know, if I, if I move in and there's an opportunity, I can go into a guard to, to, to do something. I'm not standing back waiting in a particular posture to, you know, waiting for a particular sequence of things to occur, to respond to. Um, so, yeah, so, so that, that, works, that works better for me. Yeah, I think, uh, it's, I, I, I think it's good when you get into when you get into a flow of things and you're fighting and you do something instinctively because it feels right and mm. then uh you start you you know you look at the source material and you find that thing that you've been doing because it feels you know it feels mechanically sound um and, and like i said it feels natural that this is the next step and then you find that in the source material and you're like oh cool that you know i do that that's fine that's grand yeah uh, yeah you look you, yeah you look at uh, you look at Meyer and you look in look in the in the dussac section again and the bogan comes up all the time the bow um it's a sort of a hanging um, position catching the blade and we do it with all swords anyway but he uses it a lot he drives forwards into kind of the bogan position a lot not he but you know it's described you know, he's, he's, he uses it as a as a as a system to use to, to approach in the fight hmm. and well I, I do that you know depending on who i'm fighting and the way they fight um i like to do that and i, I it's not something that that i sort of learned beforehand if that was something that came from you know years and years of fighting people and it kind of evolved not like my sat down and sort of saw a load of trigonometry and worked it all out and said ah there's a fencing system you yeah. know th these things are based on previous people and experience and then a system kind of coalesces afterwards mm. um and yeah stuff like the bogan you know for very first fight camp i went to i was teaching meza um, back in 2007 maybe 2000 i can't remember it was it was uh, back in the dark ages uh, but I, that, I did a i did um, the class i taught there was on um on the um, on meza uh, yeah. and the bogan was quite a large part of it back then um and it's it's, it's a really simple thing but when you read about it, you think oh, i do that mm. i didn't do it when i started you know the first time i picked up a sword i did ended up doing a full roll over somebody um yeah. at all theorem first time i ever picked up a sword to no that's not true first time i ever picked up a kind of a historical sword I picked up an actual sword when I was at school when we did um, Olympic fencing. So that, that's different, but that was back in the 80s. <laughs>
that's going back 84 no 85 86 but um yeah so so things like the bogan i had no idea about um when i first picked up a sword but after fighting people for a while um it came quite naturally you know you started doing basic parries you know like the old classic five parries or however many parries you have in reenactment depending on your group you know you've got your inside and your outside or they number them something really simple depending on who you're with yeah and then you start to work out you can catch it and you can you can let the power of the blow you know move through the sword um and you can start you start moving into hangers and you're, you're deflecting rather than just holding attacks and then before you know it if he hadn't died at that point I mean, you've already got something like the bogan starting to happen um and yeah when me and nick basically when we go through text if it kind of matches the kind of um, stuff that we've experienced we stick with it if it's we look at it and we go what the hell 133 <laughs> again <laughs> so um we see stuff that doesn't match what we yeah. can make work and what we like we don't do uh, like 133 is the classic it just it's not us I like 133. I like it. I don't like a lot of its practitioners, but I like it. I, I, I like the. To be fair, there's, 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 and I, I, I like, I like them all to various degrees. <laughs> but, um, but in terms of a system, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. Mainly because I'm not, I'm not convinced that anybody's actually got it yet. Yeah, I that's fair they, enough. I think they, they've all got, which is fair again, fair enough, because it's uh, the context of the system is is usually ignored. I. I, I find it um, all of the versions I've seen people performing are very, very flawed. Um, and I think it, it should be something that comes quite naturally. You know, you can teach a couple some basic stuff with, say, Myers Rapier or Dussac or with um, Angelo. Nick can, Nick can sort of go over some uh, basic postures, um, guards, parries, cuts. You can spend an hour, hour and a half teaching some basics um, and, and they will work in most scenarios. 133, I find it's um, it's an unsatisfying system that's being taught at the moment. Maybe maybe one day somebody will get it, but in the meantime, I just pick up a sword and buckler and just use it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I um, I mean, so I basically I, use it like a use it like a meta and put a buckler in the other hand. Yeah, I I've had that, and funnily enough, I kind of came to this sort of conclusion because obviously with 133 you're using the closed guard, so that the buckler and the sword are held quite. Uh, close together so that you're protecting the hand but well, was it your fairy handcuffs <laughs> yeah. hey that video did really well i don't know why but uh... well, of course it did <laughs> um so uh yeah um i like the i like the close guard sometimes it can it can work especially against people who like to snipe the hand but then if you've got somebody who's just going to kind of barrel in and go for the head then opening up um the, the way you see it being held in Talhofer, where the, the sword's high and the buckler's low, or vice versa, that's really useful. And that I kind of started adopting that guard a little bit more because I was in a uh, I was in a competition in Italy, and I I was cramping up. My right arm was cramping up, which is not good in a in a tournament. So I was trying to take a certain position where the the sword is on the left shoulder and i just couldn't do it okay. um so in the end i just sort of took this open guard and my opponent didn't know what the hell i was doing so i was like well that's good you know i'll just do that then um this has been awesome buddy um, okay. where can people find you online as opposed to where they can find me normally well uh, yeah don't give people your address <laughs> <laughs> come to my house and we'll talk about yeah. stuff we could actually normally that would be fine but not during lockdown yeah 
if you want to find um, uh, me and me, me or um, as far as the club is concerned, because um, I'm one of the two instructors at the Academy of Historical Fencing. I probably should have said that right at the start. I I I'll put do it that. somewhere I'll so do people that know. Okay. So yeah, so the club's run by myself and Nick. So we're brothers, in case you couldn't tell. Um, if you want to find, just kind of find us at home on the net, go to the club page, which is swordfight.uk. So obviously we're called the Academy of Historical Fencing, but it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Sword Fight UK, so that sounds a lot better. It's much better to put on the back of a hoodie or something. So yes, yeah, so a good swordfight.uk, you'll find us. And it's also a good, um, a good way to find our other stuff. So there's links on there to go to our YouTube channel. Um, which if you just search on YouTube for Academy of Historical Fencing, in fact, if you search for anything to do with swords, a video will probably pop up at some point that's to do with us. Um, if you want to talk, um, find me specifically, as in me, Michael Thomas, um, my kind of professional website is starcrusader.com. So names for my, one of my book series. If you go there, it's got all the information about my books, um, but, it, but it is specifically to do with my job, not to do with fencing. So um, it's all science fiction, some historical fiction, and then links to my sort of official fan pages and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we've got, um, uh, there's a link on our website that goes to our Redbubble um, page that's got various t-shirts and paraphernalia with HEMA related stuff on there. If you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com. Or if you'd like to shoot us over a message, you can send it to info at academyofsteel.com. Or look for the Academy of Steel on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook.